and welcome to today's episode of The Workings of a Spiritual Mind. My name is Holly and I'm the voice behind the podcast. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you're wondering what this podcast is all about, we are going to be investigating, analysing, debunking anything and everything spiritual related. So most people would have heard of psychics and mediums, but what do they do? What is the difference between the two? How do they tune into physical or spiritual energy to conduct a reading? Most people would have heard of angels. If there's angels out there, does that mean there's demons out there? We're going to be looking into different topics such as chakras, aura and energy work. We'll be looking into animals, what it means when they appear in your dreams. We'll be looking into numbers. So sometimes you might come across the same number repeated over and over again. Usually that means there's a message there that you need to pay attention to. So we're going to be looking into some common number synchronicities that you might come across. We've got some guest speakers lined up. We're going to chuck in some fun card readings, some fun guided meditations. We're also going to be looking into some interesting haunted ghost stories all around the world to see if there's any truth behind those stories. So anything and everything that sits under that spiritual umbrella we're going to be looking into and it's a pretty darn big umbrella. Now what I will say is I don't have all the answers and I'm not going to sit here pretending I know the answers but that's one of the reasons why this podcast has been created so that we can have a look at different subjects and topics, get more information on it and find out those answers. If you are a skeptic, this podcast might not be for you. Have a listen. Maybe listen to a few episodes because you might find something quite interesting and you might come across a subject that you thought of before. If it doesn't resonate, that's okay. At least you gave it a go. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm not here to change your opinion because I very much think that we are all equal when it comes to opinions, ideas and beliefs. My opinion may not be the same as yours, and that's okay. It doesn't make me right, but it doesn't make me wrong either. If you're sitting on the fence, so you're not a skeptic, but you're not quite a believer either, give this podcast a go. Give it a listen to, because we might actually cover something that you've experienced yourself. And you might be coming into your own gifts and abilities, or you might want to find out a bit more about the idea of spiritualism and mediumship. Perhaps you're not surrounded by the right people you can speak to about it. I know at one point in my life I wasn't. So again, that's why this podcast has been created, so that we can cover some of the things that you may well experience or are possibly going through on your journey. If you are a believer or a spiritual practitioner yourself, then this is right up your street. So just to give you a little bit of a background on myself as to why we are where we are today. So I was born with my abilities. And I grew up believing it was perfectly normal to see and hear spirits. And I was very fortunate enough not to have any really scary experience that freaked me out. I was pretty lucky with all the spirits that I came across. So in all the years I was growing up as a child, I never shared anything that I was seeing or hearing. I didn't tell anyone about these experiences. I didn't tell any friends or family because I thought everyone else was seeing the same thing. I thought it was perfectly normal and I just thought it was part and parcel of life. When I left school and started at college, I was very much into horror films at that point in my life. And that kind of sparked my interest in looking into paranormal and supernatural. Now, I don't watch horror films nowadays, I must admit. I find them kind of yucky and they just don't sit well with me. I very much like a nice fantasy 
sci-fi adventure film. But that back then made me want to investigate more supernatural paranormal things. So at the age of 18, I started ghost hunting. So a friend and I went to a location down on the southeast coast that's quite famous for its historical links to the area. A lot of companies do use this as a, a good location because you generally get good results there. And it's even been on the telly a few times with some other more well-known ghost hunting companies. So I went with an open mind. I didn't know if it was going to be, excuse the pun, dead, or I didn't know if there was going to be a lot of activity. When you do go on a ghost hunt, if you've not done one before, go with an open mind. Because if you go in as a skeptic or you go in with a logical mind, you can kind of close yourself off, which means you're closing your energy off and you're not really going to experience anything. And it'd be a waste of time and money. So off we trotted to this ghost hunt. And if you've not done one before, basically when you get there, you'll get divided into teams. So whichever company you sign up with, they do limit the amount of people who go on the ghost hunt because it all depends on the size of the location and the building that you're visiting. So let's say you might have a team A, team B, team C. Team A will go off and do a vigil in one area. They'll take a break, then go and do a vigil in another area. And the aim of the night is at the end for all these teams to come together and share what they've experienced to see if the other teams have experienced the same thing, such as like the activity or names they might have picked up. So we went into a room that was known as the children's playroom and there was a local medium who assisted us on the night. She told us that there were children in the room. Now, to me, that's kind of wrong. The whole point of going on a ghost hunt is for you to experience things yourself and for you to find out what's in the room, not a medium to tell you. Plus, also, I was picking up on something different. Now, I didn't know that I had mediumship abilities back then, but I could feel in my gut, I could feel in my heart that there weren't children in this room. But this woman, this medium, was very adamant that there was, and she wasn't prepared to hear anyone's difference of opinion. So my team took with us a portable wooden table, and the aim was to do table tipping. So if you've not done that before, you set the table up and people gather around the table and lightly press one finger on the tabletop. So not a full hand, not two or three fingers, just one finger. And the purpose is to create a collective energy around that table so that the spirit you're communicating with can use your energy to help boost their energy to manipulate and move the table. Now, we say one finger lightly pressed because we don't want anyone physical manipulating the table. So lo and behold, the table started moving. It started rocking ever so slightly, a little bit of a vibration, a little bit of a shift in movement, but it started to gather momentum. It started to move in a circular motion. So people had to start moving around with the table to keep their finger on it. But at this point, people weren't expecting it. And it certainly didn't feel right that it was children moving this table. So people started backing away from the table, taking their finger off, taking their energy off. When you move away, you expect the energy to disconnect, but it didn't. It kept gathering momentum. And it got to the point where it was moving up and down on its feet, that it freaked people out. So everyone backed away. So there was no one touching the table at this point. It then moved up onto two legs and shimmied across the room and it smashed into the wall. It didn't break, thankfully. But it was fascinating to watch because I've never come across anything like that, which is kind of ironic given the amount of experiences I went through growing up. So there's me in the corner watching this 
And it is dark when you go on a ghost hunt. So you usually have torches and you use recording equipment that creates a kind of light. So there I am recording this thinking, what the heck have I just witnessed? That was amazing. What was also amazing was to see the amount of people trying to squeeze out of a teeny tiny door all at once because they were freaked out. Yeah, that was kind of funny. I wish I recorded that part, actually. But that made me think, I need to know what it was that made that table move. I need to find out more. And I kind of thought of ghost hunting in a scientific way. So I continued doing ghost hunting uh, all around the UK. I've been doing it now for a good 17, 18 years. And it it still fascinates me to this day. I still experience things that I've not come across before that I just find it incredible. More so now to watch other people experience things. I like watching people's reactions to see what they think of what they've just witnessed. It's It's incredible to me. So then I started to expand and realized that actually everything I went through as a child was not normal. Um, other people were not experiencing the same things I was. So I needed to branch out, but I didn't quite know where to go from there. So when I first got on Facebook, now I will admit I was a bit of a late bloomer to Facebook. I was never really one to follow the crowd and put a post on social media saying, ooh, I've just walked down the road and brought a juicy red apple. It just wasn't me. And it probably was a good 10 years after Facebook came out that I actually thought I need to go on Facebook now. And my reasons behind it was the idea of communicating with people who you went to school with, because everyone wants to know what people look like nowadays, don't they, and what they're doing. So that was my reasoning behind going on Facebook. So I set up a profile, I announced to my friends, here I am. Within 24 hours of being on Facebook, a mediumship day popped up. Now, if that isn't a sign, I don't know what is. So I went along to this mediumship day. I met the people who are very much part of my life now who've helped me on my journey. But it really, that one day made me realise there is more to this than I, than I know myself. And I went on my own journey. I went on a healing journey. I tried to expand my abilities and gifts, which thankfully I've been able to do. And this is what's led me to where I am today. I want to be able to share my experiences with you through this podcast and maybe help you if you're going on your own journey. So I thought, let's kickstart off with a mediumship series, a guide to mediumship. Let's break it down into little topics so we can get a bit more of an idea and understanding on each one. So the mediumship series I've created, we're going to look at what I mentioned before, psychics and mediums, what they do, how they work, how it all works with them, tuning into physical or spiritual energy. We're going to be looking into clairsenses. Now, clairsenses is different abilities a medium has to communicate with spirit through seeing, hearing, touching. Everyone has clear senses, but not everyone knows that they have them or actually use them. We're looking into different spirit guides and gatekeepers you might come across throughout your journey. We'll be looking at different types of mediumship, so platform, trance, direct voice. There's quite a lot that falls under that mediumship umbrella. And then we'll most likely finish the series off with a lovely little meditation to meet your spirit guide. Because like clear senses, everyone has a spirit guide. You don't need to be of spiritual mind to reach out and ask for help and assistance from those on the other side. Now I can imagine one thing you took from that is the word gatekeeper. 
Yes, there is such a thing as a gatekeeper. I myself have one and I've worked with him in the past when I do readings. And I'll tell you a bit about mine as we go through the series. But my gatekeeper is massive. Think of the Hulk, but like twice as big. Now, for those film buffs out there, you're probably thinking, well, if there's a gatekeeper, is there a keymaster? I can't say there is. But if you don't know that reference, look it up because that film is amazeballs. So let's get cracking on. Let's do a little introduction to mediumship. So when you think of mediumship, what is it that comes to mind? What's the first thing that goes through your mind? Psychics, mediums, ghost spirits, heaven or hell. Mediumship used to be very much one dimensional. And what I mean by that is it used to be very much a person who's known as a sitter coming to a medium for a reading. But mediumship has grown, it's changed, it's developed so much throughout the years that it's no longer one dimensional. It's no longer a medium conducting a reading for a sitter. There's so much that falls and sits under that mediumship umbrella nowadays. Now, where did it all start? We could go back years and years, centuries even, trying to find where it all first started. But I think that's quite impossible because I don't think we really will truly know how and where it all started. But if we look at different tribes in different cultures, there are holy men and shamans who were reaching out to their spirit guides. There are holy men who were self-proclaimed healers. But let's try and break it down into something that we all would have heard of at some point in our lives. Let's look at witches and witch trials and where that all fits in. So historically, witch trials began in and around the 14th century and they kind of reached their peak in the 16th and 17th century. Now, witches were predominantly women, but some men. Back then, they were thought to be able to speak to the devil, to cast spells and put curses on those people who had done them wrong. If we take the knowledge we have today and look at what a witch was back then, surely this was an awakened person. It was a person who had awakened to their gifts and their abilities. They were people who were able to communicate with spirits who'd passed to the other side. They were people who used what nature offered and understood how to heal those. They were people who understood using their intuition to determine what was right and wrong. I very much doubt there were evil deeds and curses. But back then in that society, most people didn't want to know or even understand what it was they had no control over. So these people, these poor people were classed as witches, evil people who were doing evil deeds that led them to being then burnt at the stake, drowned or hung. And if we look at the years and ages of different fairy tales, myths and legends that contain witches, there's always that preconception of what a witch should look like and act like and that we should be fearful of witches. Surely we should be more fearful of the people who wanted to burn these poor people at the stake, who wanted to see them drowned. I mean, if we think of things happening like that in this day and age, it's awful and really quite scary to think of. So leading on from that, in the 1800s, mediumship started to gain popularity as it started to become more widely known. And then in the 19th century, it wasn't uncommon to sit in on a seance or use a Ouija board as part of evening entertainment. So as it became more popular, people started to come forward proclaiming they were a medium or a psychic. So in 1951, the Fraudulent Mediumship Act was introduced. Now that was created to stop those people coming forward claiming they were the medium, a psychic, spiritual practitioner who could communicate the other side to make a profit. 
It was to deter those people for falsely claiming that they had those gifts to make money. Now, that fraudulent mediumship act led on and replaced the Witchcraft Act of 1735. So you can see how they actually kind of linked together. But that didn't stop spirituality and mediumship becoming more and more popular. And in 2008, the Fraudulent Mediumship Act was repelled, which allowed people to be able to be more open and honest about who they are, what they can do without that fear of repercussion. So what I thought was, well, why in the 1800s did it become popular? What happened back then to make it more commonly known? So when I was doing a little bit of research, I came across a couple of names that you might have heard of, you might not have heard of, who are actually quite inspirational in the world of spirituality. So I've got a little bit of a brief description on who they are and what they did. Because when I was investigating this, I found it really quite fascinating. So hopefully you'll find it quite interesting too. So the first chap I want to briefly talk about was um, a man called Andrew Jackson Davies. He was born in the USA in 1826. Now, he was a fairly uneducated man. He came from a very poor background. And by the age of 16, he had no education whatsoever. But he had a gift of clairvoyance. So clairvoyance is a clear sense and it's the ability to see. So it means clear seeing. Andrew Jackson Davies, he wrote more than 30 books on topics ranging from cosmological philosophy to health to the analysis of the afterlife. And he's actually now celebrated as one of the greatest influences on spiritual philosophy of all time. Second up, we have Emma Hardinge Britton. She was born in 1823 in the UK. Now, she developed a reputation for her abilities as a spiritual medium at a very early age, and she was thought to be able to predict people's future. She went on to become another influential spiritualist and is credited with laying down the foundations of the seven principles of spiritualism, which are actually still in use by the SNU. So the SNU is a spiritualist national union. The seven principles of spiritualism, we're not going to do today because it, it goes really quite in depth and there's a bit information overload, to be honest. Next up, we have James Johnson Morse, born in 1848. He was a trance medium and he gave weekly seances at a spiritual institution in the 1860s. He was also known as a physical medium. So trance and physical are different types of mediumship that we'll cover in the series. But just to give you an idea of physical mediumship, he was able to elongate himself during his seances and readings to appear taller than he is. Now, you could say, well, it was probably a magic trick. There were probably mirrors around. But this is why we're going to look into different types of mediumship in further detail. I'll probably go through some of these names more in depth in a later podcast, because when I was doing my research, it was really quite interesting to see these people's background and how they became to be a medium or a spiritualist person. Uh, next up, we have Daniel Douglas Hume, born in 1833. He was a Scottish medium and he championed spiritualism among the society's elite. So people who were perhaps royalty or had a lot of money. He was renowned for levitation, so he used to be able to levitate himself. So much so that a lot of people tried to scientifically test him to see if what he was doing was fact or fake. And he was known as a physical medium. So levitations is not something that you tend to hear a lot of nowadays. I think it's one of those very rare occurrences and abilities that doesn't necessarily mean to say that that's not out there. We just don't hear a lot of it nowadays. Next up, Harry Edwards, born in 1893. Now, Harry Edwards was very much a sceptic. 
But he was invited to attend a circle, and from that circle, he became a medium himself. Now, if you've not heard of a circle before, it's when like-minded souls gather around in like a development or mediumship circle to try and expand on their gifts and develop in their mediumship skills and abilities. So he became so engrossed by it that he started doing his own seances, his own readings. And so he surrounded himself with other mediums in that profession at that time. Those other mediums saw him very much as a healer. So he started to do spiritual healing. He then founded in 1966 the Harry Edwards Healing Sanctuary, which is a beautiful property that is in use today in Surrey in the UK. And they do things there such as healing people and animals. They do meditations, well-being, days. It's a, it's a beautiful location. Have a little look if you're if you're interested in healing. Next up, we have Gordon Higgerson, born in 1918. Now, he was born in the UK. He was renowned for the accuracy of his platform mediumship. So again, that's another type of mediumship. He did his first public demonstration of mediumship at the age of 12, and he worked as a medium for over 63 years. He used to do a lot of things such as materialization and independent voice. Materialization is like ectoplasm, if you've heard of that. My professional answer for ectoplasm is that it's a, a supernatural substance that helps spirit manifest. My unprofessional meaning of ectoplasm is think slime in Ghostbusters, okay? Now, he served as president of the SNU, so the Spiritualist National Union, and he just worked tirelessly to promote spiritualism through doing his readings and working as a medium. So we've got a few more names to go through. So next up is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, born in 1859. Now, you've probably heard of his name as being the author of the Sherlock Holmes books and series. He became a very influential public figure to support and promote spiritualism. And he'd done that over 14 years. And it was such an important part of his life that he actually proclaimed that it was the most important thing in the world. And that's quite interesting. Next up, Ernest Oton, born in 1875. Now, Ernest was the first person to ever broadcast on live radio about the topic of spiritualism. And he went on to lead a parliamentary campaign to get the recognition of spiritualism legalised. He was a trance medium, so again, another form of mediumship. And he sat in over 4,000 seances. Now, his broadcast was called The My Experience of Spiritualism. And you can find that on YouTube if you're interested. Alfred Kitson, born in 1855. Now, Alfred is a very interesting chap. His father was very much a sceptic. So if, if his father came across a story of a, a ghostly uh, sighting or someone proclaiming to be a medium, he'll be the first on scene to try and debunk and find evidence of fraud. So Alfred very much followed in his father's footsteps. With a twist of fate, Alfred actually became a medium. And so he developed a mediumship. And he was so convinced that spiritualism could help mankind. He devoted so much time and effort, more specifically to teaching children. And he usually held an evening class to teach children the world of mediumship and spiritualism. And he helped develop something called the Elysium. Now, the Elysium is a manual that was first published in 1887. Now, check this out. The Elysium was inspired by Andrew Jackson Davis. And the UK version was compiled by Emma Hardinge Britton as well as Alfred Kitson. So that's three people we've just mentioned here. And this manual was designed to introduce children to the teachings of spiritualism, and it's still in use today.
Last but not least is Arthur Finlay MBE. He was born in 1883 in the UK. Now, Arthur was a jack of all trades. He was a writer, an accountant, a stockbroker and a magistrate. He wasn't so much interested in spiritualism until he attended a seance and that kind of opened up his mind and he wanted to know more, he wanted to develop more, but he wanted to help develop people who came into those gifts. So in his will, when he passed, he left his home called Stansted Hall to the SNU and that is now turned into a college and it's a world-renowned college for the Centre of Advancement of Spiritual Science. And you can attend courses and classes there such as mediumship, healing, meditation, spiritual development, whatever you're interested in. So why have I given you those names? Because in the 1800s, it gained popularity. And we don't know why. And we don't know why unless a researcher and look into these people. And it's really quite fascinating to see the amount of people who not only come into those gifts, but try to promote spiritualism. So it's really interesting. It's quite fascinating. And I will do a couple of different podcasts on a few of those names to look into them a bit further. So that was kind of a brief introduction to mediumship. I hope you found that interesting and informative. And I found it super interesting when I was researching those people. But if you are interested in finding out more, then please stay tuned because the next episode, we're going to look at psychics and mediums, how they work, what they do, and the difference between the two. So wherever you are, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, your evening. Stay safe. And until the next time, thank you for listening.